Welcome to Subcutaneous, a beneath-the-skin look at medicine, with myself, Dr. Goddard, and David Phillips. Episode 4, Pursuing Your Dream Specialty. So today we'll be talking a bit about, uh, you know, something every eventual physician has to think about is pursuing your dream specialty, what that looks like. What your dream specialty even is. Yeah, how do I identify your dream specialty? And, you know, I think... Almost everyone even starts, and we know these from interviews, is you don't end up pursuing what, you know, when you enter medical school, what you think your dream specialty is, is often a very different than what it is, you know, a few years in and everything like that. I think we actually alluded to this in your Mm -hmm. first episode, how you start, you know, we all go in open-eyed and, uh, you know, you have this idea of what you want to do, and when you actually get out and start practicing it, it may be a very different sort of uh, experience than you thought it was. And something else entirely speaks to you. And I think that's a very common story, right? Yeah. I mean, I think Jocelyn touched on that a bit too in our last episode. Yeah. Because she thought she was going to be, you know, family medicine Mm -hmm. all the way. And, uh, you know, what actually ended up speaking to her the most and kind of what lined up with her life events and everything was, you know, psychiatry. Right. And I think it was a great uh, transition for her. You know, I'm sure she would have loved, you know, to be a family doc and everything like that, you know. But she's very talented at what she did, what she does. And she was able to recognize that I think she had something to offer people right. in that area that was uh, better suited to her. Yeah. So how do you, uh, well, maybe we should start here. Yeah. I don't recall if we did this in your intro episode, but uh, what was your, what did you think you were going to be? Yeah, so I went into medical school thinking I was going to be a pediatric oncologist. I was very narrowed in. I thought I was going to treat kids with cancer. I even specifically wanted to do bone marrow transplants. Um, That was, and I don't really have a reason why that was what I wanted to do. I love kids. I love working with kids. Um always kind of volunteered in the nursery in church growing up and so thought I would do something with kids and then I just I don't know what drew me to pediatric oncology but somehow I was drawn towards that and ever since I was in college that was kind of the the path that I thought that I wanted to take so that was my goal going into medical school okay and so when when does this change slowly over time and I, you know, okay, so you have your first two years of med school. And in my first year of med school, I started volunteering in the free clinic. And that's where I got my first taste of dermatology. I there was a dermatology only clinic once a month. And it must have just happened to fall on a day that worked well for me. And so I started going to that. And that kind of sparked my interest in derm early, which was a good thing for me since it's a competitive specialty to get into. And then I was interested in reproductive endocrinology and infertility as well because of Judy, who is a mentor and a mother-like figure to me, and that was her career. So I had her influence a little bit in that as well. Then you go into your third year, third and fourth year of medical school where you rotate in everything, and I was the person who loved everything. I do think every specialty has wonderful pros and all of them have some cons too, and each of those will be different to each person. So um, I loved everything, but dermatology was the best fit as far as all the factors went for me. 
And so, so as you kind of get into dermatology versus, uh, well, first of all, was there an experience that really, you know, turned you off of oncology or was it Mm. just that something spoke to you, dermatology spoke to you more? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, my journey to actually finding dermatology was not straight and narrow, essentially. It was more windy. I, in my third year of medical school, my first rotation was pediatrics and I got special permission to be on the bone marrow transplant team, which they'd never let a student do before. So I got to do that and I loved it and kind of grew close to a few of the patients and continued to follow them during my third year. Even if I was on another rotation, sometimes I would pop over to their clinic visits or kind of follow them throughout their course. So I got a better taste of the the field and what the job would be like. And one of those patients who I became very close with was a seven-year-old boy, and he ended up passing away from his disease towards the end of my third year of medical school after I had followed him kind of that whole year. And that was hard. It was really hard. And I don't have kids. And I just thought, I don't know if I could do this for the rest of my life. But as that experience was going on, I was also having these other experiences, right? You know, where I was doing OBGYN and loving that. And I actually ended up really loving ear, nose and throat surgery. And I also loved plastic surgery. So at the end there, when I'm applying for residency, I had then switched completely from PEDS and OBGYN and derm to derm versus ear, nose and throat versus plastics. Yeah. No doubt it takes a a very special kind of fortitude to, you know, be able to work with children like that. And even though, you know, you're there to help them and you help, you help a lot of them and stuff like that. There's still the same losses that adults experience, except it's, it seems all the worse for the lost potential or, you know, so it's certainly not for everyone, I Mm -hmm. assume. And the people who do it definitely have the utmost respect for, yeah you know, being able to manage that throughout their lives and their careers. And I'm sure it's very hard. Yeah. And I definitely felt like I had let down that attending who had kind of been such a big part of getting me into doing that rotation and then allowing me to follow those patients. Um, But I think it's important to push yourself and have those experiences in anything that you might be interested in, because I'm glad I figured out that that wasn't for me before I was a pediatric resident or something of that sort. Yeah. So you get into, uh, you know, you're at this point where you are going to transition. You love dermatology. This is going to be your focus. Um, Do you decide, do you do a Mohs surgery rotation at this point? Or was this kind of after you had kind of committed to dermatology that you become enamored with Mohs? So I went into dermatology knowing that I wanted to do Mohs surgery, which is kind of taboo and somewhat frowned upon. And a lot of people might know that they want to do Mohs, but kind of keep it hush-hush because through the application process, it can be frowned upon that and cosmetic surgery or cosmetic dermatology are somewhat unpopular things to go into when you're going and looking for derm residency. But for me, if you really even look at the things that I thought I wanted to do, I think it was easy to tell that I wanted to do Mohs surgery. You know, my the other things I was interested in were ear, nose, and throat surgery and plastic surgery, very surgical, special, surgical heavy specialties. And I think an important point too of determining what I was going to do was 
for your fourth year, you go on these away rotations and they're very important or they were important. It's kind of changed with COVID and all these things. People are doing less rotations away, but you where you go and spend four weeks at an institution, two to four weeks at an institution and, you know, immerse yourself in their dermatology program. So I did two of those away rotations. But when I was trying to decide what specialty I was going to go into, I was like, what do I really want to go outside of this system and do and I was a little more excited about doing dermatology at other facilities and not as excited about doing plastics or ENT at other facilities and so that was kind of the decision point for me with those three specialties and I still think I could have been very happy doing ENT or plastics and sometimes I still you know like anything in your life you go back and say what if what if I would have done that but I made my decision and was very lucky to get into Moe's and I do love what I do, but you know, I still kind of wonder. So why would you say it's, uh, it's so frowned about upon to kind of, well, okay. I guess the question is one, it's frowned upon. Did you also kind of hide your intentions to go into that specialty? And then why is it frowned upon? Uh, so I think that they are both frowned upon because we need more general dermatologists It's just like when you're applying to med school and there's several medical schools that really want family medicine docs or primary care docs because we have a need for primary care docs. And the same is true in the analogy with dermatology. We have tons of dermatology applicants and, you know, a lot of them want to do Mohs or cosmetics when really our need is for more general dermatologists, not more Mohs surgeons or more cosmetic dermatologists. That's the reason why I think it's frowned upon, but I'm not in academia, so I can't truly speak to that 100%. And then did I hide my, that I want to do Mohs? I will say that I didn't like put it in my personal statement that I was wanted to be a Mohs surgeon, um, but I didn't lie about it ever. So there were uh, some op- t- times when I was asked about it in interviews specifically And I did tell people that that was my interest. I think it's pretty easy, too. I had one interview where they asked me, like, if you weren't a dermatologist, what would you be? And when you say an ear, nose, and throat doctor, they're like, okay, you want to do Mo's. Um, (laughs) And that was actually the guy's comment back to me. And I was like, oh, I guess can't hide it anymore, you know. Um, And then most of my letters were from Mo's surgeons. So I think it's pretty clear that that was was my interest. But I wasn't. You could read between the lines and it was obvious what you were doing. Yes. But I wasn't, I didn't come straight out with it and write it in a personal statement or anything like that. Well, and I guess kind of the interesting part about Mohs surgery is it's almost a combination of those other two specialties. Like there's a little bit of plastics Mm -hmm. to it and there's, you know, you're operating on ears and noses and all the time. Yeah. The only, and then the awesome addition that it gets too is that I get to be the pathologist too and look at it under the microscope. And so... I love that part of it. but So it's kind of a little bit of everything you loved there. Yeah, and, it uh, definitely was. So it was it was clearly the, the, the choice for you. Yeah, but it was also a gamble. You know, dermatology is a very hard thing to get into. And then if you look at the Mohs match numbers, about 50% of the people who have already gotten into dermatology that want to do Mohs get into Mohs fellowships. So it's competitive and hard to get into and... I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. So kind of pushing away just from Moe's and your specialty, uh, what other fact, there's several other factors that are going to play into choosing, you know, your upcoming dream specialty or just, you know, 
maybe or like what's the best fit for you yeah what's the best fit for you because there's like you've got okay your work-life balance your passion you know is this your dream uh time how much time is it gonna take you to get there uh, money you know are you going to get you know paid what you think you need is money a big factor in that and it's like so there's all these other factors that come into your dream specialty i guess besides just your sheer passion which maybe we should talk a little bit about uh, work-life balance yeah as far as that goes you know dermatology and most surgery has a very good work-life balance which is why one of the big reasons it's so competitive right yeah but so but if you're one of those people who really loves to work and is driven by their work and everything like that maybe that's something you should recognize and be like okay well i can pursue there's there's other options out there for me mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. like, you know there's a certainly a number of uh surgical specialties that uh really are going to be very time intensive right. and there's others, you know, um, psychiatry has, gives you more free time. EM, uh, you're going to have more free time. Yeah. Uh, what did you take that into account at all when you were choosing? Definitely. And I think that was more people bringing those things up to me than me truly thinking about them. Um, a couple of things that people said to me when I was going through medical school one of them was, at least for a residency standpoint, when I was really struggling between ENT versus derm, that somebody said, "Would well, either way, you're going to be working 12 hours a day. Are you? Do you want to be working 12 hours a day in the OR, or do you want to work eight hours a day and spend the other hours of your day studying? Because that's what residency is going to be like. And that that held very true, at least from a derm perspective. There's a lot of studying that goes into it. Um I can't speak for ENT, but I'm sure it's that that is very uh, labor intensive residency. And um, I had a couple people who said, I mean, if you like derm, I mean, it meets all those boxes, right? As far as like work life balance, time, blah, 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 then that's what you should do if you actually like that specialty. So I think that's a huge part of it, too, though. I think the first and foremost thing is that you got to like what you do. So all those other things, time, money, et cetera. If you hate what you do, but it's highly lucrative, perhaps. Yeah, or... highly lucrative or not super time intensive or whatever, you might still not be happy. So I think the mm. most important thing is find something you like. And the nice thing about medical school is you do rotate in nearly everything, um, or at least the core subjects. And a lot of people will talk about in med school, like, okay, are you surgical or are you medical? And that was always very hard for me, which makes sense because I ended up in a field that's kind of both you know dermatology is a little bit of both um but i think that is a good kind of first stepping stone is like which of which way are you going to go and then you can look into like okay there's all these medical specialties which of these do you resonate with the most and you might say oh i like me like oh i really like ent and derm and plastics and i like obgyn and and so like okay now oh, you like all of those which now let's talk about time, let's talk about money, let's mm -hmm. talk about these other options. And in the sad thing about medicine too is let's talk about the realistic thing that you could match into, you know? There were tons of people in my med school class who didn't even say that they wanted to do derm until they found out what they made on their step score because they knew they wouldn't it wouldn't even be an option for them unless they were scoring well, which is not entirely true and hopefully we'll talk to some people but I know people who didn't score very well on their step that still got into derm and so I think that's an important thing to keep in mind too is if you find something that 
checks all the boxes for you, keep pursuing it. It can happen. It just might not be that straight path like A, B, C gets you to D. You might have to take some detours in between. Mm -hmm. So your rank, maybe we should just put it out. So first thing you should consider when, you know, selecting your passion. Yeah. Where are you passionate about? And hopefully it's multiple things. Yeah. And then you get to look at, okay. uh... And something within that passionate thing that was advice that I always gave med students too was find the specialty. Because for somebody like me who likes everything, find the specialty where you like the bread and butter too. The things that you're going to be seeing day in and day out. Because like I loved pediatrics, but I hated well child checks. So of yes, could I have gotten to some point of pediatrics where I didn't need to do well child checks? Yes, but... I would have spent three or four years doing tons of well child checks. So I think that's a big part of the passion too is you might think this is really cool and all these rare things that you're seeing in medical school, but do you like kind of the basics of it too, the day in and day out? Yeah. Well, and that jumps into maybe the next thing you need to consider is, okay, you've got several things that are your passions. So to narrow it down, maybe we move to time. Right. How much time is it going to take me to, you know, train in this? How much of my time, how much of the rest of my life is going to be dedicated to this? You know, I we saw, I think, a study the other day that says the average physician works 60 hours a week. Yeah. Like, is that you? Do you want to work 60 hours a week for the rest of your career? Do you want to work 80 hours? Are you okay with working 80 hours a week? Or do you want to work, you know, an average work week? Or, you know, be able even have freedom to maybe travel and do locums and you know you end up working you know less than that Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things and And your time off too yeah that was going to be my point too is another thing to keep in mind with that is uh it's not always just your work week but it's like your call schedule and um you know you bring up like you brought up like em like okay there there are pluses and minuses to that uh path And one of them is like you go in for your shift and you leave and you're done and you don't have these patients long term, essentially. Um, And it's also a difference between Derm and Moe's. Like going into Moe's, you might make more money, but you're giving up a little bit of thunder. Yeah. You're giving up a little bit of a a little bit of work life balance because now you're in a surgical specialty and you take on some of those uh, negatives that surgery has one of which being like I'm always on call you know I got a text yesterday about a patient you know Mm -hmm. and I need to be quickly responsive to that and it's a little bit more sometimes it's a little bit more uh urgent than maybe a general dermatology patient not always but so you know as far as the ranking list at this point we're kind of passion first yep uh your time yeah. Your work-life balance. Yeah, which plays then, into each other. Yeah, they kind of are cooperative there. And then probably at the bottom of the tier ranking here is, you know, the money. Yeah, because I think, I mean, in general, you're probably going to make fairly good salary. All this is always kind of an ebb and flow thing, too. I mean, we've, I've even seen in my short medical career how some of these very lucrative specialties drop in reimbursement and then vice versa, too you see some things raised. So even just since I've been out, which is not very long, you know, Medicare has now kind of put more of the emphasis on uh, E&M codes, which means when you're seeing a patient not doing a procedure. And and Medicare is net neutral. And so anytime they give you more money for one thing, they have to give you less money for another. And so by increasing the payment on E&M codes, we've decreased the payments for uh, CPT codes or surgical codes. 
Um, and so these, the money thing's going to ebb and flow and change. Mm -hmm. And I think you're going to make probably fairly good money regardless of what you do. Um, but there's definitely fields that pay less like Pete that are, we all know about like pediatrics. Well, maybe, maybe the lesson in there is not to be like, uh, is not to worry so much about the fields that pay less, but to not choose your career based on what you think is going to be highly lucrative. Right. No, I don't think you should at all. That could go away. Right. And, uh, you may find that you're in a career that's not you selected a career that was highly lucrative and you were willing to give a lot of your time and life for that. And then all of a sudden it's maybe half as lucrative as it was, but your time and life dedication to it is still the same. You're still working yeah. 80 hours a week, every week, and you're making half of what you thought you would. And that would be right. a, a, a bigger pill to swallow. Yeah. Which is why passion and love for what you do is number one. Yeah. But then how do you get there? <laughs> yeah. How do you get to, uh, so it's, you figure out what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course... I think, I guess I have a couple more comments on that too, on figuring out what you want to do. Um, as you could kind of see by my story about pediatrics too, is don't be afraid to fully immerse yourself in whatever you think you might want to do. Take this time as a medical student to figure it out. There, There's always the option to change once you're in residency, but it's a lot harder. I do know people who have done that. Um, but I think for me, like I spent... I was totally kind of a gunner and, you know, I would spend Christmas break doing extra rotations or I would, like I said, follow up patients for my, this pediatrics uh, patients as I was on other rotations. Like that took time and energy and coordination and things like that. But I think it's worth that extra effort to really kind of deep dive and figure out what's going to make you the most happy and what specialty is the best for you. I think it'd be statistically really interesting to find out how many of med students, because pretty much every med student, I think, enters with an idea of what they're going to be. And then, you know, they've researched it to death and they're like, I'm going to emergency medicine doctor or whatever it is they choose to be. And I'd love to see a statistic of how many actually end up being what they thought they were going to be at the start. And I bet you it's very low. Yeah. I only know a couple people trying to think of my med school class. That actually ended up doing what they want to do. And actually, they're both ophthalmologists. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I think I think that is also people who have explored it pretty in- extensively before going into medical school. So it's the same issue, right? Like I didn't have that much exposure to different fields of medicine. I had had a lot of pediatrics exposure, which is why I thought that that's what I was going to do. Mm-hmm. So the more experience and exposure you can get, the better equipped you are to answer that question of what you want to do okay you've got your idea of what you want to do you've probably got you know when you're applying for your residencies hopefully you've got an idea of what you really want to do and an idea of you know what you can also something that you're fine with doing and so what do you do at this point what's what makes a great application for becoming getting the your dream yeah i think I can't speak for all specialties because certain specialties might be different. Obviously, I only went through one match and one residency doing derm. But I think showing that you have fully immersed yourself in it and really know that that's what you want to do is important. And then networking, making contacts with people. you got to have good people writing letters for you from your medical school career. And some of those need to be in the specialty that you're pursuing and then doing other things outside of just the status quo, essentially, especially if you want to do something more competitive. 
And that's where you kind of talked about, okay, well, I spent my Christmas break doing an extra rotation, maybe because you didn't have the opportunity to, you know, spend time with somebody that you thought would be a really great right match or an opportunity or, you know, somebody who could write you a really mm-hmm. good letter to get to get you where you wanted to go. So you had to give up some uh, give up some of your time and your rare time off to, you know, go and make this thing you really wanted to have happen a reality. Right. And I spent my Christmases mostly doing Moe's, but I also spent some of it doing ENT. And so some of that, you know, didn't become fruitful fruitful in my application from the mentorship portion of it or the letter portion of it. Um, but I guess I could have had those people write me letters too. So yeah, finding someone who can, you know, write you a good letter and support you goes will go a long way forever. That person will probably be with you for the rest of your career. Like my mentor in medical school, I just saw him at a meeting, you know, a couple weekends ago. And so we've, you know, stayed in touch for, for years and years and he's continued to support me in everything I do. Um, but I would say part of it staying out of the status quo too, is just getting involved in other things. So for me, that free clinic that I mentioned that brought me into dermatology in the first place, I ended up kind of running that clinic for the last two years of my med school. So third and fourth year. And I enjoy leadership things I still do to this day. I like to be involved in the societies and things like that. And so that's what I did with my extra time was I was in societies. That's not for everybody. So if leadership's not your thing, maybe you do a bunch of extra research or, you know, more rotations where you spend time or find a way that find something to do that sets you apart. Maybe you have a podcast. Maybe you are an influencer in some way. It doesn't have to be, that's the thing we're trying to make known is it doesn't have to be the path that everybody thinks that you need to take to get to where you are. It could be something non-traditional too. And I found those people very fascinating during interviews. Like somebody had like invented something on Shark Tank and I don't even remember if it was related, but like, oh, that's fascinating, right? Like Mm -hmm. you did these things. It doesn't have to be. And like my leadership positions were not always with dermatology. Um, So do something that, brings you joy that's outside of medicine too to help set yourself apart will help you get to your final destination essentially but make that something that you enjoy doing too don't just do things to because that's how you think you're going to get to the next step Mm -hmm. okay so you match into dermatology yeah obviously what do you do during this is only i guess part of your journey like okay i've made the first step towards getting my eventual goal here but this mm-hmm. is a two-step process mm-hmm. you match into dermatology you're gonna go become a dermatology resident mm-hmm. and so how do you continue to build yourself towards your goal through your residency yeah and one thing that w- is important for getting into a competitive residency that i alluded to earlier and also became was important for me when getting into a fellowship is doing rotations. So rotating at the, the place and actually letting them get to know you on a more personal level than just your paperwork. And then that's super important for Moe's because Moe's is kind of an apprenticeship model where it's one-on-one with you and whoever your program director is usually. And so they want to make sure that they want to spend a year teaching you. And so that is probably the, for dermatology at least, I think can be one of the most important things in getting into the specialty you want. And I think if you're going into something less competitive and you put the effort in to rotate somewhere, that's going to speak volumes too. Um, As long as you're 
a fun person to get along with too. I would tell people like, if you don't think you're going to do well in this rotation and people aren't going to like you, then don't rotate places. So it might not be for everybody, but I think if you're pretty personable, uh, that that can go a long way. And then just as we mentioned before too, like networking and making contacts is so important in, in medical school to get into residency in residency to get into fellowship. And then I think even at the beginning of your career, you need people who can show you the ropes or answer questions or, you know, you have a difficult patient, somebody you can call and talk to. So it doesn't ever hurt to build connections and meet people and network. And it, it, it's something that as outgoing as I am, I'm somewhat shy and can be hard for me to kind of push those relationships. But I think it, that is a huge part of medicine in any, any uh, field. Maybe a lot of times it's not so much about what you know, but who you know. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's everything in life, right? Yeah. Or a lot of things in life. Um, and definitely rings true in medicine as well. Unfortunately, I don't really love that about things, but um, I think that that can be important. And it's not even just, it's like, who do you know and who do they know Yeah. type of thing, you know? So, uh, and, and that, maybe can you communicate with them that you need them? Yeah. to communicate with that guy that you know yeah. and help you out and give you a little push. And, and that was something that I wished I had done more of because I kind of am the personality that's like, nope, I can just do this on my own. I don't need help from anybody. I can do this. And so I never asked anybody really to go out on a limb for me or do anything for me because I thought I could just do it on my own. Um, it ended up working out fine, but in hindsight, I kind of wished I had pushed that like, networked more asked for asked for mentorship you know ask for what you think you want and then asked those people to help me essentially mm-hmm. which I was not very good at so learn from my mistake I guess I think that because like I said those people can stay with you for the rest of your career so well, can you can you give an example of something maybe you wish you had asked for that you struggled with or so one example that comes to mind is there was somebody who I'd worked with in my internship and I just hadn't it, it's hard to keep in contact with people sometimes and I never wanted to be that person who was annoying and then you know I'm halfway into my application cycle it's almost almost done with Mo's fellowship interviews and things and he comes up to me and asks me who all have you gotten interviews with blah 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 all these things and I was like, yeah, but there's these this, these other people I really wish I would have gotten an interview there. And he goes, well, I wish you would have told me, you know, before this whole process started because I know them and I would have told them about you. Put in a good word. Yeah. And all these things. And I thought, dang it, I totally missed that bus. I didn't I didn't want to ask him for help. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to bug anybody. I didn't want to. Like I said, I thought I could do it all myself. So I, it worked out fine. I matched into a great fellowship program, but. Uh, maybe things would have been different for better or for worse, but uh, I wish I would have pushed myself a little bit and maybe been annoying potentially. Although I don't think this person would have thought it, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, after all this came to light, I think he would have been more than happy to have helped me get more interviews. Yeah. I mean, obviously he was following up on you and interested in yeah. where you had uh, gotten your stuff at. So yeah. you've gotten through your dermatology residency. You're applying for your fellowships. So what's going to make a, you know, obviously, was there any other, I guess I'll show, I'll be a little ignorant here. Was there any other opportunity other than Moe's at this point? I mean, I suppose you could have just continued on and been a dermatologist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you apply for any, like a 
EMT or no. you you would still you were right you were a hundred percent Mo's. Yeah, I felt like I kind of for for a competitive specialty, you really need to decide probably by the end of your third year. Of course there's stories of people who decide fourth year or maybe even match into it later, but I think in general, most people would recommend that you know what you want to do by the end of the th- your third year of medical school. Um, and so that's when I kind of forced myself to make that decision because, okay, what are you going to rotate in? Although I do know people, one of the dermatology, one of my good dermatology friends, she didn't know if she was going to do EM or if she was going to do derm. And so she did an away rotation in emergency medicine and an away rotation in dermatology. And so I, I think that's taking that same advice that I mentioned earlier of just forcing yourself into something and trying to figure it out. If you still don't know by the end of third year, don't just toss a coin, you know, maybe mm-hmm. explore more things in depth. And I think that will make you a better applicant too. I'm sure people found it fascinating that she did an EM rotation. I think she did an EM rotation in Alaska. So like, how cool is that? Um, and that really set her apart from other people. And so I don't think it's always a bad thing if you don't have it all figured out when you think that you should. Um so same goes for fellowship, too. There's a certain time that you need to know what fellowship you want to do. And the earlier, the better always. But everything doesn't have to be so hard and fast. So, mm. so you entered fellowship. What was that kind of... Do you, do you feel a sense of relief, I guess, once oh, you yeah. finally... Oh, I've, met, I've got a matched into my fellowship. I'm, I've done it. I'm, I'm going to be a Mohs surgeon. I vividly remember match day for Mohs. And that was so much more of an impactful day for me than my medical school match. And so for most people, med school match is like the penultimate of like matching, right? Like you are not met, like when you're in med school and you match into residency, um, you know, there's a big party. Everybody matches at the same time. Fellowship match isn't like that. Every fellowship, you know, like Moe's fellowship match was one day and cosmetic surgery fellowship match was a different day and derm path was a different day. It's not all the same day. Um, of course, all the Moe's fellowship applicants find out the same day. And I remember I was on the West Coast, so I got the email at like 6 a.m. And I remember driving to work and Dr. Greenway, my program director, calling me and then getting out of my car and all my co-fellows were there and... Um, cheering me on and we had a little party just for me because I was the only applicant in my class and um going to board study that morning and everybody being excited for me but it was also like super scary like I was like okay am I even gonna go to work if I don't match because everybody knew that this was like my I was like gung-ho for this since first year of med school you know this is a long time coming dream and so that day is like etched in my mind. I remember it very clearly. I even remember what scrubs I wore. Like, <laughs> I remember that. You like, don't have them framed or tucked away somewhere. I still wear them sometimes. Oh, do you? Purple figs. Do you get a little? <laughs> do you get a little fuzzy feeling when you put them on? Or no, but I should. So I guess a, a question about this is: Was it all elation that day you matched, or was there nerves? Well, the nice thing for me was that I found out at six a.m., so I didn't really have to like sit around and get nervous wonder i'm sure you're a little restless the night before oh i don't think i slept much at all but i mean i i remember that nerves and restlessness from uh, matching into dermatology but but with with residency match it's a little different too you find out on monday if you matched or not and then on friday you find out where you matched and so for me, I even remember that week too, matching into residency, like the bigger day for me was Monday because mm-hmm. it was like, are you going to be a dermatologist or not? 
And once I found out on Monday, and I remember that day very well too, once that Monday I found out like, oh, you're going to be a dermatologist, it was like, oh, I can breathe a sigh of relief now and I don't really care where I'm going to go. I just care that I matched, you know? And so then with fellowship match, you know, I woke up at 6 a.m. and checked my email and it was like, woohoo. I didn't have too much of sitting there twiddling my thumbs wondering if I yeah. was going to get in or not. So it was a full day of elation for sure. And just fun. It was great. What would you have been if you hadn't matched dermatology? I think plastic surgery. I don't know. But at that point in my life, I was more gung-ho ENT. But at this point in my life, I think if I were to do anything else, it would be plastics. So maybe because I have kind of gone down that road a little bit more than like the ENT road. Um, But yeah, but I'm happy. Really. You You don't have any regrets. No, but I do think when I was in Derm... I remember thinking like, oh my goodness, if I don't match into Moe's, what am I going to do? Because I don't love general dermatology. I didn't, I did take my own advice. Like I loved, I thought I loved the bread and butter of derm and I still kind of do. I like skin checks and I like acne and all that, but I don't really love the complex general dermatology. Um, So it's kind of funny. It was the one specialty where I liked the bread and butter, but I didn't like the crazy stuff. Maybe I did as a med student because I thought it was super cool. But then when you're like, Diagnosing and managing, it's much different. Those rashes. Rashes. <laughs> not well, a, I'm not a rash fan. Well, and there are parts of, you know, general dermatology that you do love, which is excisions and... Yeah. And I don't mind skin checks and I like acne and there's parts of it that I like. But the parts of it I like are very bread and butter. So. All right. So you match fellowship. You go in, you know, another year of your life down to do this fellowship. And then I guess you decide, oh, you know. Then you do another one. Yeah. Why, why not do another <laughs> one while punishment. I'm here, huh? Yep. I like to joke with everybody that I'm a glutton for punishment. <laughs> I don't know if I recommend doing two fellowships. There's a few people who are doing two fellowships in dermatology, which wasn't, there were just a handful of us when I did it. If I could count them on, name the people who had done both of those. I could just name the people who had done both a Mohs and a cosmetic cosmetic dermatology fellowship. And now, especially with the fellowship here in Spokane, it's attracting more people who've already done a Mohs fellowship. And so more and more people are doing two. Um, I kind of, I don't have much advice for matching into a second fellowship because in my life that kind of just happened, I guess. I didn't really think I was going to do two fellowships. It just became that based on life and the way things worked out, shaked out. Um, but I think it's the same. The the people who have matched into this fellowship here rotated with us and, you know, spent mm-hmm. time here and it's, it's all the same. No people who know that fellowship director and things like that. So I well, guess I do have advice, but it's all the same as you, your first fellowship. You kind of say it, it just happened, but you did honestly kind of spur- also spend years pursuing a fellowship up here. That's true. Yeah, I always thought that I would do a Mohs fellowship up here. And by the time it became time for me to do a Mohs fellowship, there wasn't one here yet. There still isn't, but um, so there wasn't a Mohs fellowship here. And so I applied to Mohs fellowships elsewhere in the country. And so then, yeah, when when a job opportunity presented itself here that kind of incorporated doing a fellowship, I did that. But I didn't go through a traditional match because I was the first official American Society of Dermatologic Surgery cosmetic fellow here in Spokane, Washington. I actually, um, me and 
a couple other people helped kind of get that set up, but I was kind of the final, I kind of tied it in a bow essentially and helped it get sent off and then, uh, became the first fellow too. So, and kind of speaking of opportunities you created, uh, Spokane was not a part of, you know, this fellowship and this, to work with this clinic and everything was not a part of your rotations or anything like this. This is something you went out and did extra on your own. That's true. Yeah. So, you know, even, you know, to come here and, you know, you came here to do Mo's and work at the clinic and stuff like that. And then you created this extra opportunity for yourself way in the future. Yeah. It's funny. I'm laughing because I kept giving away my vacation time to rotate, to do more work. (laughs) I did it in med school and I did it in residency too. You bring that up. I forgot about that. I would spend usually, I think I would get like four weeks of vacation a year and I would usually spend one of those weeks up here in Spokane at least doing, I wouldn't spend the whole week usually rotating, but I would at least rotate for a couple days. So you'd kind of come up here and help out and remind them that you exist. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, Hi, I'm still here. I still love Moe's. I still want to be your fellow. Yeah, I still want to come to Spokane. I still want to be here and everything like that. And you know, by somewhat force of will and a willingness to you know give up some of your free time and yeah everything like that, you created an opportunity for yourself further mm-hmm. down the road. Yeah, it's interesting. It's so funny you forget these little things. <laughs> well, that's why I'm here. Yeah, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> I realize how much of a true glutton for punishment I actually am. So, uh, you know, you've accomplished a fellowship or two. Yeah. Uh, I've gone through a few matches myself. A few matches, everything like that. So what's what's life beyond look like now that uh, you have uh, you finished your second fellowship? What is uh, pursuing your dream specialty like after you've gotten it? I mean, obviously, your journey's not over. When you leave yes. your fellowships, like, there's still so much more to learn and so much yep. more to do. And... The first year out is hard in different ways, new ways. and then. The road is still not straight and narrow. As you guys know from me, I now do locums work where I travel for work. And, you know, it's, it's not always the path that you thought you were going to take or the, you know, everything's not always in a straight line. So, and it still hasn't been since I've been out. And you still need those people that you needed to get to your dream specialty. Like I said, they can be super helpful in that first year out. And, um, but it's great. I think there's pros and cons to each part of your life and each part of your path in medicine. And I think if you find something that meets those things we talked about, you're passionate about it, you have a good focus of time, how much time you want to spend, um, and maybe pays what you want to be paid, I think you'll be happy with what you do and your future career. And I would say I'm very happy and I'm still kind of learning how things are going to go. Yeah, and I think maybe that's a something to take away from it. Even when, you know, okay, you've accomplished everything you set out to accomplish, one, that doesn't mean that everything's going to be straightforward from then mm-hmm. on. Because, you know, you came here to Spokane, I'm going to come here, and I'm going to stay here. And I'm this job here, and build my life around being here. And it's like, oh, the job doesn't appear. So now I've got to figure out a way to be flexible and grow. And my path is not going to where I thought it was, but Mm -hmm. I can still make this work. I can do this. I'm still, it's even, it's even, you know, this, I guess the story of what your career has been so far is tenacious, work hard and take, you know, take what you want to each step and put Mm -hmm. the pieces in place each time and don't let something, you know, set you back 
or you know to run you off from your dream or this pursuit but rather right. to uh, okay i'm gonna i'm gonna tackle this from another angle mm-hmm. yeah and talk to people listen to other people sometimes i wish i would have asked more questions maybe um in certain aspects and so you know networking and meeting people and having contacts takes you far in multiple ways for this yeah one th- one of the things that often surprises me is like how much you know being well thought of mm-hmm. you know affects your career in medicine so be mm-hmm. very thoughtful about how you i guess would interact with people oh, yeah. and because that can be a huge leg up for you or and even to one thing we all kind of do is you know and this is regardless of if you're a physician this is just human nature is we hear what we want to hear right when it comes to you know talking to people or getting advice to people or mm-hmm. even oh, listening to other people sure. and it's yeah. like okay just be cognizant mm-hmm. of you know if somebody's be cognizant when people are telling you stuff from experience and hear what they have to say not just what you want to hear mm-hmm. yeah sometimes that's a lesson you got to learn the hard way i think we i think we all have to learn like yeah and i don't know that we ever really yeah, I I think there's very few people who can take that to heart every single time, mm-hmm. and because it, it's just it's human nature. Like especially when you've spent years pursuing something, and like it's hard to hear something maybe not what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. And I think with your comment too of like kind of the way you're respected and thought of is important, and that's not even just and that's important in med school, important in residency, and then important when you get out. Like obviously you don't none of your rotations can go poorly, can't have terrible interactions. And um, that is not just amongst your peers, but also like how patients perceive you and then how you speak of others in front of your patients. So um, I think a a lot of it is being a good person too and Mm -hmm. just doing the right thing and watching how you present yourself as well. Well, and one thing you could also, in this goes for in life in general but like also support each other Mm -hmm. like everybody everybody has a bad day and stuff like that and like you guys everybody can support each other and one thing i've ever you know one thing and this has nothing to do with Lindsay's experience or anything but one thing i've learned in my daily you know work life i don't talk down about my coworkers. Mm -mm. like yeah any given opportunity even if i don't like the person i'll be like oh here's something they do great and I will, I only talk up my coworkers and it's because I want the same treatment from my coworkers when they're talking about me. I want to, mm-hmm. I want somebody to always be, you know, have something good to say to me. So I try and live my life like that. I think it's, it's just a general life lesson that I think everybody would be a bit happier. And I think correlates very well with medicine too. Like that was one thing I learned in actually in my fellowship with Dr. Greenway was it doesn't matter if you, you might think that the doctor that treated this person last time did a terrible job. You never say that to the patient. You never say that to your colleagues. You keep that to yourself and, um, you know, only say positive things. Um, you know, you weren't there for that situation, so you can't truly speak to it. So I think that that's important for med students to hear too. You know, you don't want to talk poorly about your, anybody that you're working with, the nurses, the um your co-medical students your residents anything like that obviously if there's a actual issue you should bring that to higher ups but uh, just be cognizant of that and I think that's an important thing that we didn't even talk about with rotations and things like that like you you need to be 
on on all of your rotations too and do and exceed succeed and you know do very well especially if you want to do something competitive in every rotation not just the thing that you want to go into and I think that serves you well in figuring out what you want to do too if you really I went into every rotation thinking that's what I was going to do for the rest of my life and I think that's a good way to go into it and to truly test it just don't just barely get your feet wet jump in yeah I, I'm sure that's a great point is if you're just there being like, oh, well, I just have to get through this rotation, right. then your performance is going to be limited, mm-hmm. right? Like you should, it's a great idea to go in there and treat it like, okay, this is, this is what I want to do yeah. with my life. I've got to come in here and I've got to impress these people because I want them to want me back. Yeah. And, and when you jump in head first, you truly get to see if that's what you want to do. If you just get your feet wet, you don't really know what the temperature of the water is. You really got to jump in. Well, uh, anything else to add? I think that's a good Good place to to end. I agree. Uh, Sorry if it was a little extra noisy. We're on the road this week, so we do have some people tromping around and uh, (laughs) sweet cheeks coming down to get pets and everything like that. A thunderstorm uh, going on in the background. It was a whole podcast experience. Thanks for being here for it. Uh, I'd like to remind everybody to go ahead and like and subscribe. And if you could leave us reviews on whatever platform you're pulling from. That would be wonderful. And uh, share it with your friends if you think something interesting was discussed here. Yeah. Or if there's anything you want to hear us talk about, or we'd love that. Yeah. You know where to find Lindsay on Instagram or Facebook or just reach out to us. Have a good night. Bye. <laughs> oh, we got a visitor. Hi, sweet cheeks. Hi. Yes, you're very... <laughs> Do you want to be on the podcast? I can hear you in the microphones. <laughs>